radio station, your radio station, our radio station, 91.3 FM and 95.8 FM stereo. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and good evening. Welcome to Burning Issue. I'm your host, Yazid Kamaldin. It's nice to be back with you. Of course, I took a short break. Just one uh, show that I missed and that was last week. Just took a break last week. It's good to be back in the studio. And as usual, we tackle something that is pertinent, important, something that we need to get more understanding of in our community. So this week was really a devastating week for South Africa as we saw another girl child killed senselessly. We all know the name Tasne van Wyk, the 8-year-old girl from Elsie's River whose body was dumped in a stormwater drain in Worcester last week. Now Tasne had gone missing two weeks before, after she went to the shop just a few meters from her home. The suspect... A 54-year-old man named Muhaydin Pangakar evaded police for 10 days before he was arrested in Craddock. He is a known sex offender who had been released on parole for a similar crime and a host of other crimes dating back to the early 1980s. And as collective anger mounts in the wake of Tajne's murder, there is a bigger question to ask around the criminal justice system and parolees. How is it that a known sexual offender was released on parole and not closely monitored? Why are communities not informed when criminals are given parole? And of what use is the correctional system when criminals recommit crimes? Should there be changes in the law? So sex offenders and abusers serve their full sentences without the possibility of parole. That's a lot of questions, right? But these are important questions so that we can actually hopefully save a life and prevent what is happening. Now that's our burning issue tonight and we'll be chatting. You know, and it's certainly not the first time that we've asked these kind of questions, you know. Um, it wasn't sort of like a show specifically dedicated to this. Um, but I do remember on Burning Issue, we've asked this kind of question before. Especially when it comes to the system that is meant to be either rehabilitating criminals or making sure that they stay off the streets and behind bars. We are going to be chatting to a number of guests this evening. I know that we are still struggling to get hold of some of them. We don't have any of them yet on the line, um, but we are intending to speak to the Department of Correctional Services, the South African Human Rights Commission, and of course other activists. And um, I think maybe we can start with whoever's available. Maybe one of the activists might be available. Um, You know, because this is something that is just happening all the time. And gender-based violence, as we know, you know, we have so many events and so many... Uh, sort of programs about this but it persists it just persists and to think that a 44 year old man man could be responsible for you know this crime against an 8 year old girl is actually something 
even more worrying because usually when we look and I might be you know I'm sharing an opinion now but usually when we look to older persons we don't expect this of them we expect that an older person you know would be maybe a bit more if I can say almost caring you know I mean an 8 year old child you expect a 54 year old man to be sort of a concerned person in the community who doesn't and who won't even think about harming an 8 year old child but this is this is unfortunately where we are at now right so I'm going to look at the internet now to look at some of the stories that were making the headlines around the Tasne van Wyk um, uh, murder now let's look at what's been happening in the news okay I'm looking at a story that was published today in one of the local newspapers there's also a video on the internet about it and this story says the headline reads calls mount for return of death penalty after Ramaphosa visits Tasne van Wyk's family and the story reads as follows Altis River community called for the return of the death penalty as President Cyril Ramaphosa grabbed the mic, preparing to talk to the angry community on Tuesday afternoon. Ramaphosa visited parents of murdered Alsis River girl Tasne van Wyk, Terence Manuel and Carmen van Wyk, and he expressed his condolences to them and pleaded to support them during burial preparations. Ramaphosa apologized to the community, and this is the quote that apparently he said or that he, he said to the community and he said the suspect behind the killing of Tasnes should not have been released because after he was released on parole he committed murder and that shows there is something wrong with our parole system now imagine that is the president of our country saying that there is something wrong with our parole system you'd actually expect him to say we're going to fix it but anyway he also said that together Justice Minister Ronald Lamola, who was also with Ramaphosa during the visit, would assure that they would tighten the justice system. And some residents expressed their anger with posters pleading for justice. And these posters read, Why are criminals taking over the streets and killing our poor children? So let's welcome our first guest to Burning Issue. And he is... Chris Nissen, and he is a commissioner with the South African Human Rights Commission. Commissioner Nissen, good evening and welcome to Burning Issue. Hi, good evening, and good evening to the listeners. So what was the human rights involvement in this, um, in this or what is the human rights concerns around, you know, the continued gender-based violence, and particularly the murder of an eight-year-old girl, Tasne van Wyk? Yes. Well, obviously, you know, uh, the Human Rights Commission has always been involved in the, the protecting the rights of the vulnerable, including women and children, and uh, have been always continued to support and, and to make people aware of the rights of these vulnerable groupings. With regard to Tesne van Beek, uh, since her disappearing, we went to, uh, to, to the family, we assisted in the search, we look for, uh, we, we also, when the community started fighting with, with the police and others, we were there to bring calm and stability. And also the day before Tasnim's body was found or pointed out by the alleged murderer, 
We were there with the family and on the day when the news was broken. Okay. Now, today there's a report that our uh, president, Cyril Ramaphosa, said that there's something wrong with the parole system. Well, as you will recall, that on the day of when we, when we, when the news was broken about Tesne, I have made it very clear that we need to review the parole system. We need to, the communities must be involved when a parolee of that category must be informed and must be consulted. Not only the family members, but also of the victims, but also the community, whether it's the CPF, the neighborhood watchers, and the community at large, so that the people can know who's coming into the community. Yesterday, a policeman was telling me, well, the colonel was telling me, that they had in the olden days, when a parolee of that nature is being released, the station commander of the area is informed and the station commander of where the crime originally committed is informed in, in, in this case. Certainly we need to have a review of the parole uh, regulations. And did you, as the commission or even in your own capacity, do you have any recommendations or ideas around what should be changed? Well, first of all, there must be greater consultation. B, there must be a thorough assessment. Um, and not simply just because the man has, 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 has professed and showed uh, uh, that he has visited all the programs, he conformed to all the programs, but there must be genuine remorse, there must be genuine, you can, there must be general correction of the behavior, not simply a pretense. Because many of these in that category, they all pretend and form, attend all the courses and all the, all the programs, and also some of them even convert so as to have an extra tick to the names they can get out. And we've seen um, in the case of Kyle, Michaela Williams of, of, of Pelican Park, it was the parolee that committed that act, that does the act. Okay. And if one, so the Human Rights Commission, of course, should take into account everybody's human rights. Now, okay, we've just lost the commissioner. He sounds like he's driving. So obviously um, the connection, you know, isn't always that great when, you, when we're driving. We'll go for a quick ad break. And when we come back, we'll continue this conversation. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. So, yeah, this is quite a tough uh, one, you know. We're talking a big topic tonight. We're talking about our parole system in South Africa. Criminals go to jail and then they come out of jail and they recommit crimes. And what does this say about the system? Is the system capable of rehabilitating people? You know, that's the that's um that's one of the only one of the questions that we're asking tonight on burning issue. Now it's almost Maghrib and um we have been struggling with getting quite a few of our guests on the line. And as you heard just before the break, um Chris Nissen from the South African Human Rights Commission, um you were saying that the the commission has in fact recommended that the uh parole uh, criteria should even be um revisited, you know. Um, but before we go for the Maghrib break, I just also want to share a notice that the Voice of the Cape has received. And I'm going to read it now. So it says, Koi Kwena Peace Reunion.
To celebrate the 1st of March, Koi victory at the Battle of Almeida over the Portuguese colonialists, we hereby invite all the Koi Quena. Yo, I can't say this word even. Goran Naichona. Yo, wow. I could not say that word. Koi Quena Goran Naichona. Okay with their families and friends to join us at the Kral in Odemolen Echo Village for a celebratory peace concert with some of our most talented legendary artists entertaining us. Guys, I am blushing. My face is red. I feel so embarrassed. Anyway, so it's a celebratory concert happening on Saturday, the 29th of February from 7.30 p.m. until late. And it says the donation fee for adults is 30 rand and for children it's 10 rand. The speakers at this event is Des Palm, Cape Exit, Muhammad Ismail from the UDF, Paramount Chief Aran from the Goranite Shona. So roll up and support a good cause and a brighter, better future. So that's the message from the Koi Kwena Peace Reunion. And just to reiterate, it is to celebrate... The 1st of March, Koi victory at the Battle of Almeida over the Portuguese colonialists. So, yeah. Shukran also for our listeners who are sending us through WhatsApps. I forgot to uh, mention that, of course, throughout the show, you are more than welcome to participate with us. You can give us a call on the number 021-442-3530. That is 021-442-3530. The lines stay open throughout the show to ensure that we have interaction with our, with our listeners. You are an important part of the show. We love to hear your opinion as well. So some WhatsApp messages have come through. And, of course, you are more than welcome to send your WhatsApp message just through to us as well the whatsapp line is 072 I'll read all those numbers out again when we come back from the Mahri break The Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM Stereo Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. And as mentioned earlier, we are looking tonight at whether or not the parole system for prisoners is needing review. We are also trying to understand why and how it is possible that someone who was in fact and we're now, of course, looking at the case of Tazne van Veik, the 80-year-old girl from Alsace River whose body was dumped in a stormwater drain in Worcester last week. So we are looking at, um, you know, the fact that the suspect, a 44-year-old man named Mohedin Pangakar, he evaded police for 10 days before he was arrested in Kradok. Now, here's the thing. He is a known sex offender who had been released on parole for a similar crime and a host of other crimes dating back to the early 1980s. And the questions that our community is starting to ask is, you know, how is it possible that criminals just come out of jail and recommit these crimes? Is something wrong with the parole system? And we have also heard from the SA Human Rights Commissioner before the Maghrib break, uh, Commissioner Chris Nissen has said that they in fact are also calling on the government to review the parole system. We are now going to welcome to the program Singaboko Kumalo and it's uh, a 
a person or a representative from the Department of Correctional Services. In fact, it's the spokesperson for the department. I hope I've got that right. Singaboko, good evening and welcome to Burning Issue. Evening to you and your listeners and I followed your support earlier. Great stuff. So, you know, yes. the, the thing is our, our communities have lots of questions and, you know, we, we also want, of course, everybody to understand how government works, right? So, yes. let's start with a basic question. Who is entitled to parole and why? How does parole work? First, it's important to highlight that uh, parole is a practice which is done by countries internationally. It works in a way that um, um, an inmate should be given a sentence. And once that person has served at least the, the minimum required time, plus having attended to rehabilitation programs and responded positively, then an assessment must be conducted to gauge the level of risk in that person. And should that person be deemed that their risk element is low and this person has been rehabilitated, then the parole board may decide to grant that person parole. But what's important is that parole is not a right but a privilege, meaning no person can demand that he or she be given parole. You earn it by your action, by your conduct, and by your attitude. Hence, when you're given parole, there are certain conditions attached to it. Should you fail to comply with those conditions, unfortunately, you have to be taken back into a correctional facility. Okay, so is the assumption that you would be considered for parole, is the assumption that you would have been rehabilitated and that you are fit to re-enter society, is that the assumption? The, how the correctional system works, it says people do make mistakes. And when they make mistakes, they go into a correctional center, one, as a form of punishment, two, to be rehabilitated, meaning they go there for that offending behavior to be corrected. Once that has been done, then the person must be reintegrated back into society. Hence the idea of arming the person with relevant skills so that once this person is back in that uh, correction, um, back into the community, he or she is then able to start living a positive life use, using the skills that she may have had inside the correctional center. Okay, well, now we're coming to somebody who is or was arrested rather a 54 year old man in particular named Mohedin Pangakar and it said that he had been released on parole for similar crime for a similar crime and a host of other crimes dating back to the early 1980s and the crime in question is the murder of a young girl an 8 year old girl Tasnef Van Wyk so we, we, we need to understand how is a repeat offender let out on parole and then goes on to commit the same crime. I mean, was there a misjudgment? How does it work? Firstly, I think it's it's all in order to say what happened is uh, not correct. It is painful and we must sympathize with, our fa- with the family and pass our condolences. Because when you look at the profile of this particular person, he is a happy fall offender. 
habitual offender is, is a person who regularly visits a correctional facility for various offenses. And what happened here is what we could see as gaps in the parole system because this person will commit a crime, go to a correctional facility, serve a sentence, be placed on parole, finish that term, leave, commit another crime, go back into a correctional center and do the same. And uh, in our policy, there was nothing really tight to say, you've got to look at the whole history of the person. If that is not part and parcel of the profile, then the parole board looking at the programs that the person may have attended and the reports provided by psychologists and social workers may decide to place that person on parole. It's something that we are saying, no, 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 no. This thing has to be reviewed because they, a history of a human being does count. If a person is a habitual offender, something really needs to be checked. It's either that person serves the entire sentence or there is absolute confidence that now this person has been reformed. Okay, so let's look at this case now, okay? And I'm, I, I, let's, okay, let's not make it specific about this case. Let's talk rather in general because I know there's a whole lot of other implications if you look at this case in particular. Because, yeah. you know, it's, 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 um, it's, a matter before you know like the the justice system needs to not take yes, its course yes. but now we would like to understand right because communities are asking this question what then must or must be done to ensure that this doesn't happen again because you know you are from the correctional services and i just want to read a whatsapp message that one of our listeners said because this program is very interactive right and yes. listener 530 says it cannot be called a correctional service with an incorrect justice system the justice system needs to be corrected first and that is an opinion of a citizen of south africa listening to the show right now you know, so yeah. of course you are from the Department of Correctional Services. So, what would the department be considering to ensure that eight-year-old girls are not murdered by repeat offenders? Okay, here yeah, what's important, uh, uh, what we are saying as a department is that the gaps that we have identified in the parole system needs to be closed. And we are saying we've got to look at the entire structure when the person goes into a correctional facility, the type of programs which are offered, and how we handle the, the parole system. In the previous years, we were blamed that you cannot be a plan, a meaning you can't rehabilitate and then simply just release a person. You need independent structures to do that on our behalf. Yeah. Hence, then the whole issue of parole boards was was introduced. But we've since discovered that even in that, there's quite a lot of gaps. Okay. Because yeah, okay. because if if should these people not be um, armed enough with relevant information, or decide to take decisions which at times are even in conflict with what we've said as yeah. correctional services. Singaboko, Singaboko, you know what? I want us to go into the gaps, but we have to just quickly take an ad break, and then I also want to welcome another guest who just walked into our studio. The Voice of the Cape, ninety-one point three FM stereo. Welcome back to The Burning Issue with myself, Ezzie Kamaldin, and we have on the line Singaboko Kumalo. He's the spokesperson for the Department of Correctional Services. So I think 
We now really want to understand from the department the gaps in the parole system that have been identified. And of course, please tell us what the department would do to fix it. Okay, uh, I've already highlighted the issue of, of uh, the structure, which is a structural position where the, you have a department rendering rehabilitation programs, but you then have a different structure deciding whether a person is free to go out. There's somewhere there's a disjuncture, and we need to close that gap. How best is the department able to advise and inform the parole board? And what type of training or the expertise that must be available within the parole board composition so that the decisions that they make are relevant and, and true. Because what we discovered is that some people uh, apply to sit in the parole board because there is a revenue to be approved there or there is money to be made. But then you find that the, the holistically the manner in which they should conduct themselves leaves, you know, a question mark because we find that at times we have a certain correctional services called case management committee. They will advise that a person not be granted parole, but you find the parole board saying, no, this person must be granted parole. Okay, wait, hang on, hang on. You said something that triggers a question. Money is to be made. Can you please elaborate on that? What do you mean? Uh, For instance, we will advertise a, 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 a position to say, the, those who are keen to become parole board members for polls more management era, let them apply. Then anyone can just apply. All that you need to do is just to screen those people. And then, and the issue of expertise or what type of qualification or skills that they need to have is not so important. Hence no, saying, that's crazy. Yes. That's yes. crazy. So hence, yeah, hence we are saying that we, we need to touch on that because we will look at you to say you've got uh, or your background, you're a former police officer. Uh, we then assume that because you know how the law works, you will do the job. We think that, that no, at times, I think that that is also a, 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 a serious gray area. Then also, we said, let us look at the type of support system that we make. Here, I'm referring to the specialists like social workers, psychologists, criminologists, who must write a report having access people who are eligible to be considered for parole. We are saying we need to beef up that particular area so that the, the assessments that they do are professional and it's, it's decisions which you know they can really stand by them, not because they stand, uh, they do them uh, when they are under uh, pressure or it's decisions that they just do for compliance purposes. So hence we are saying we have to calibrate the entire uh, parole process so that all these gray areas are covered. Now, I'm going to ask you a very difficult question, okay? Yes, yes. Now, we know that things do take time in government, right? Yes. But communities can come back to you and say, you have blood on your hands because you have, as the department, not tightened up your parole system and allowed criminals back into communities, you know? So, I mean, what is the timeline? When are things going to be improved? Uh, with, with, with this particular process, we, we are under pressure. And it's not for the first time the issue has been raised. Hence, some work had, had been started already. It's, it's a matter of going through to what was started, polish that, and go back to relevant structures uh, for, to get all the stakeholders uh, to put their viewpoints 
because the repositioning paper is already there. It's a matter of saying our, with our stakeholders we agree on the new system that, that we need to use. And should we find that consensus, then it will go to the body that we call National Council for Correctional Services, which advises Minister on, on policy matters. And once it's there, it will, the only left left would be for the Minister either to approve or to, or to send it back for amendment. Then we'll have a new police. Then it will be a matter of now retraining our officials who work uh, with case management to say, now what is the expectation with the new parole policy? Which will then, it's something that cannot take us more than 12 months should we get necessary consensus from all relevant stakeholders. And this is where communities must participate to say the new paper that you, 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 you are presenting to us on how you, you want to revamp parole. Then let us go through it. Let us participate there. Let us give you your views so that at the end of the day, it's a process that all of us can stand by it and say, no, we're party to this. We are quite com comfortable with the new way that uh, correctional services is taking. Because when a person is placed out, it's placed out in the community. So it's important that communities do have a voice in that new policy position. Look, I just want to reiterate that it was clear from even the President Cyril Ramaphosa today that there is some and I'm quoting him now, he is quoted as saying that the um, person who was arrested, the alleged child killer, Mohedin Pagaka, and this is what the President said today, he said he came out and committed murder that just shows there is something wrong with our parole system. The parole board should have realized this was not a candidate for release. I stand here and say we are sorry as the government that this person who was never supposed to re re who was never supposed to be released on parole was released. Now that is coming from the president of this country saying this blatantly, openly, something's wrong. We are definitely going to be tracking this, of course, with the department, and we are going to also monitor um, and look at how the community is involved. And in fact, I want to bring in the community now. We have in studio one of our guests, Rushanda Pasco, and she's from the non-profit organization Mannenberg Safety Forum. And I just want her to share also with us the experience of the community, because very often it's at that le well often it's it's at that level that people recommit crimes after being released from jail so rishana in your experience um we are talking about the parole system we've had a, we've heard our president say it needs to be reviewed we've even hearing now the department saying they are going to review it in your experience tell us please about the parole system good evening listeners good evening yes it um i think my experience um regarding parole parolees that comes out you know you have where the parole officer comes about um two to three times for the month and it's only discussed or it's only asked to the family if they would sign for that specific person to come out on parole this community where he is um sent to back to come and live and pick up the pieces are not prepared for him 
They don't even know if this, this community is accepting him after the crime that he has committed. And that for me in itself is a problem. Because then you find the person committing the same crime and we have experienced it in our community, men and work, where the person are left out. He comes out and you pray yourself that this person has changed his ways. Just to see a few weeks down the line that um, this person is again busy with the same um, thing he went for to prison and so that is our reality in the community where we face these things and when you speak out you can go as a person and say to the police this person is out on parole they say, they tell you um, we are not in charge there's a, a, a familiar name um, I don't know if the person is still working for the department you know I got so angry at the time because why um, every time they, they when you would go and complain they say they would say it's it's um this particular parole officer that they have to come and check up it's his problem it's not their problem um just notify him and i can imagine the the loud case that 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 particular man have because why it's one person assigned to a whole lot of parolees in that community so now where can he keep track of all the people that are on parole so Singaboko, that already raises at least three questions, you know, that we would like to inform our community about. The first question is, um, does the department consult with community when a parolee, when somebody is released from jail? Okay. Firstly, I would like to go to the last point raised by your guest in studio. I must say that it is wrong for our colleagues in the SAPS to say they cannot do anything. When people report that we have a parole in the area and is doing something strange, they have a duty to one, to inform us, number two, even to go and check what this person is doing, because we work together on this particular case. But let me go back then. Okay, to, I just, I just, quickly, I just, I just want to say that we we must acknowledge that what Rushana is exp- Exp- uh, explaining here is the lived experience and of course yes, you are yes. giving a recommendation that the police yeah, because yeah. I, will, I, will t- I will tell you why I'm saying that yeah. the reason being when a person is placed out on parole is to assist that person to reintegrate back into society it doesn't mean that the sentence for that person has expired hence once a person starts to when that person starts to do things which are out of way that person must be called back and they can so, so you're saying back. they go back to jail basically and, uh, yes okay. and, and the community has all the rights to come to us or even to go to a police station to say we have a parole in our area and is doing things which are completely out of line please attend to it and where saps correctional services has the duty to act on that that is very clear then and 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 then coming to a question if you can remind me sorry it just goes my mind well i mean we just we just wanted to understand the is there any consultation with the community oh yes the initial consultation we we have visited a number of areas uh doing community engagements because we wanted to understand what is it which is really concerning people? And almost everywhere we go, communities say to us, you never inform us when you bring back people. That's what Rishanda is saying. Parole. That is yes. what Rishanda is saying. Yes. So, 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 uh, so wherever we go, people do complain about that. To an extent that we've decided as a department, uh, department that we need, to, uh, we need to do something to that effect where we take a person back to the community to say, 
this person has served and may not require time, has been corrected, we're bringing him back or her back, but should this person decide to do something which are uh, in contact with the law, we have all the responsibility to bring this person back to us. Don't have him to do anything, but bring this person back to, leave, back to us. But then we also equally say the community has a duty to assist that person to start living a normal life rather than ostracizing or treating that person as an outsider. So that this person can feel that he's a human being or she's a normal person that can now start to do ordinary things that everyone else is doing. Hence, as the department was saying, that lack of community engagement is important. But the biggest challenge that we have is that once a person has been sentenced and is in a correctional facility, people are not keen to visit and check what those people do. We've been saying, please come to our centers, check the work that we do, so that people can start to 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 have confidence in the system, so that people can even, you know, make their own inputs to say, we can see that you are doing all these programs, but perhaps more needs to be done, so that once a person is out, at least people have confidence that indeed this person did attend some programs. Mm-hmm. Look, bef- before we, we do need to go for an ad break, but please stay with us because I feel that this is a very empowering session with the department and of course our community needs to understand how it all works. Yes. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. Welcome back to Burning Issue with myself, Yazid Kamaldin. And this evening we are looking at the uh, parole system and um, various, uh, you know, calls are being made for it to be reviewed. And in fact, the Department of Correctional Services itself is looking at reviewing the parole system. I just want to thank our listeners for participating in the show. We have received a number of WhatsApp messages that I would like to acknowledge quickly. Um, You can send us a WhatsApp to the number 072 Two three eight zero seven one two. That is zero seven two two three eight zero seven one two. Listener eight six nine one has said. Um, today, the president again promised and said sorry for failing the people at Tasney's home, but talking is becoming a trend with no concrete overall of the laws as he wants to release even more criminals to ease prison congestion. Even after full sentencing, how are we guaranteed he is fully rehabilitated? Then we also have listener 5038. Well, we've read that message before. Um, listener 153 has shared information of, a, of another young girl aged 6 who has unfortunately been killed. Um, and then we want to go to listener 7919 confirms also news of another 6-year-old girl that was killed. And listener 2545 says, reinstate the death penalty. Why should the scum have a right to life and live luxury from our tax money? Now, of course, listeners, I just want to reiterate or rather say that the views expressed in the program and not the views of the voice of the Cape it's management or staff we are a community platform we want to engage with all our listeners and you have the right to share your opinion but of course we um, we, we acknowledge you know that um, in our community there are various opinions and ideas of how we should run our country so uh, nine and, and very often these are just opinions that we want to share as well um, because it, it gauges what our listeners as citizens are feeling about our country so listener nine 484 says prisoners are too much of a luxury for inmates i've heard of an ex-convict after having an argument with someone 
saying, as ik een mes het, sal ek om doodstik, want ik weet, ik zal niet doodstraf kry nie. Sentences are too lenient and prisoners get it too easy. Listener 9685 is saying, my personal opinion is that pedophiles, rapists, etc. must be exposed to the community, especially within the area, in order for parents to warn their kids the death penalty needs to be brought back for this type of crimes. The WhatsApp messages are coming in thick and fast. There are quite a few. I'm going to go to three more, but then we really want to hear from our guests. Listener 4704 says we want the death penalty back for serious crimes like murder and rape of our children with no parole. Listener 99555 says... um, the man who killed the girl must get 200 years behind bars. And listener 4014 says, our government is all talk and no action. Our laws protect the criminals. So, Singaboko, I'm sure this is nothing new to you. I'm sure that you hear these kind of sentiments around the country. In fact, let's just get one last WhatsApp message in. Listener 0115 says, the death penalty for rape and murder is not just a deterrent, but also a safeguard for citizens without the death penalty and a referendum system the so-called democracy is incomplete so singaboko you must be hearing a lot of these kind of sentiments from people who are just frustrated at the way that children in particular are being murdered and killed in our country um you know and 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 people are pointing to the criminal to the department of correctional services for allowing criminals according to their opinion for allowing criminals to walk free look um there's a whole lot which is very positive happening in correctional facilities where some people go in there, they grab the second chance, they reform their lives, and when they come out, they do amazing work. But I think right now, it's not the time to say that considering the cloud under which we are in. It is therefore unfortunate that the whole lot good which does take place there is now clouded by these people who pretend to have been rehabilitated, who take the entire confidence of the state into a doubt by going back into a life of crime, which is something that all of us are saying, you know, we've got to attend to it and ensure that people who are not ready to be reintegrated back into society do stay with us until such time that their sentences expire or until they change their ways. So as a department, we say to people, we understand the anger. Uh, everyone would have rated, you know, the same, but there's still a whole lot of good to see less people who go in there and really, really take advantage of that opportunity to reform their lives. Okay. Um, and, and everybody has, you know, the possibility to rehabilitate. I guess that is the thinking. The, how the whole concept came about, South Africa during apartheid had the prison system where inmates went there, they will be punished severely. They will, you know, in actual sense, uh, put them in a warehouse. They stay there until they are released days, and then they release them, where, whether they are rehabilitated or not, because they will do forced labor, uh, the type of work which doesn't even assist the person once it's out to do something. Then the country felt that we needed to move into a correctional system, which one, must rehabilitate a person too and give a person the skill so that 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 person doesn't go back into the life of crime. Hence then the entire concept to say, once you have served at least the minimum time, let us gauge and see whether you are indeed ready to go back. But if not, 
you continue to serve your time as uh, the sentence issued by the court. But we do not give up, you know, in, in you as, as a human being. We continuously work to an extent that you start to realize that life must be respected. You've got to play your part or your duty as a human being. And let's, let's live in harmony, all of us as humans. So that's how the entire concept of, of, of corrections came about. And we've seen it working in a number of cases. It's only 2% and less people who are really, really, really uh, causing serious challenges. Because when we looked at our studies, we picked up that um, it, was, it was people who are doing shorter sentences, who, are not, uh, who don't get to be rehabilitated sufficiently. And those people frequent our centers. We then said even if a person is sentenced to 18 months, that, that person must attend to programs. So no one must leave the correctional facility without having been rehabilitated. But when people serve such a long time, Eight years is a long time, yet they still leave our facilities to commit such heinous crimes. It therefore says that such people are not worthy to be given that second chance. Those people must stay with us until such time that the entire sentence is exhausted. Okay, look, let's get back to the community voice in the studio. Rishana Pasco is from the Manenberg Safety Forum, a non-profit organization. And of course, the lived experience of our communities is very important to understand and share. Rishana, do you have any comment that you want to share? I'd really like to say something. I think this, this is very personal for me. Come up with food. This is very, very much personal for me. Um, currently, I am in protection before being a state witness. A person has been um, judged on, received 27 years because he gave an order and a four-year-old child and a grandpa died in that order for that um, pipe bomb. He comes out on parole and he commits another murder, yet he gets the right to appeal after being found guilty and sentenced to life. Now, my lived experience was even in court, I was treated like I was the perpetrator sitting there and playing an active role as a citizen and speaking out and taking a stand against this crime. And so clearly, I can't blame you or your department alone. We have different departments that play a role. And in order to really bring change for our people holistically, and even you yourself, personally, I think this for me as an activist, it speaks to the human person. As people, we all want to feel protected. This current state tells us we are not protected because a lot every day we find somebody murdered, somebody killed. And it's sad. That is our sad love reality. Then you find a, a, a person murdered and killed and then he gets six years. And, and it does not ease the pain of the family. I said what, 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 um, Tasni. Tasni is gone and she's in a resting place and it's very sad and it's painful, but the destruction cause is affected that, that family, the whole community, the street, the school children she, she played with every day. She made an impact. She lived a life for eight years with people. And so where's the psychologist for that family? Where's the psychologist for that community? And, and, and then we take it a bit further. Yet again, he will be forfeited the right to health, education, life, and he, 
he took it violently away from Tasni. And what we are saying, it's not from Tasni's time. We failed Alan Pakis. There was a ruling in the Alan Pakis case. Have we done nothing since then? Can you give us details? Are you talking about parole specifically? Because our focus tonight is around parole, no? And how the parole system needs to be reviewed and changed because everybody's in agreement here that it should be changed. And of course, we have the department saying this is ideally how we want things to be. And then you coming from the community saying this is how it actually is. We should. If the department think of changing the parole system, I don't think the department in themselves, and I don't want to hear about public participation or consultation. It should be the public playing a 90% role in that process. reason why I'm saying that, it's in our communities that these people are being put back. You don't see them being put back in a affluent or a space where they are being kept under monitoring and evaluation. Well, let's ask, let's ask the department. So, Singaboko, how does parolees get monitored to ensure that they do not commit crimes again? Clearly, there was a gap because we have seen somebody who had been convicted of a very similar crime before <coughs> now being arrested for the murder of a young 80-year-old girl. Okay. Uh, firstly, uh, let me touch on the point raised by your question, which is very important, is that there is a need for the justice system to work in an integrated way. When a person is brought to us by our colleagues from SAPS, that person he must have been flat already to say, this is the type of a, of a person that you'll be dealing with, so that we categorize that person accordingly. We know exactly whom are we dealing with. Then let me come back now to your question. It's... It, we have what we call uh, committee corrections. It's a branch on its own with officials. These are people who are based uh, in communities or will have their offices either in town or but in urban areas. We'll even find them in, in, in a number of settlements. They wear uh, uniform because they are correctional officials, but they're the ones who does the monitoring. They then work out a schedule with a parolee. Because how it works is that when the person is placed, is placed out, that person is then, uh, give, uh, is then given a parole officer. This is the person who will monitor him. They will look at his schedule, when to report, or when they do uh, visit that person. And they also do a surprise visit. But then their job is to assist that person to settle down, uh, find employment where possible, or start to do something positive. So we do have that branch. But we've always been saying... Uh, Community corrections cannot work in isolation. We need to work together with communities. Hence, we, hence we fully agree with people when they say, when releasing a person, please do inform the society or inform that community where that person lives so that people are aware of this person. They can also assist this person to settle down while. Okay. Then, then that will mean that now you have a system which interfaces in a very healthy way you know, of government and the community. Yeah. Guys, we're going to take a quick break, an ad break. When we come back, we'd also like to welcome a third guest to our show. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. The Burning Issue. 
So we have another 10 minutes before we have to break for the Shai uh, Wacht. Um, that is the prayer time. So our guests, um, we're going we're gonna to, of course, have Singa Boko on for a few more minutes. And we also want to welcome a new guest. Let's see. We have our third guest. We have our third guest on the phone now. It's Natalie Carter from SA Woman Fight Back. Natalie, good evening and welcome to Burning Issue. Good evening and thank you very much for having me. Yeah, Natalie, we are talking about the parole system this evening and of course we've got the Department of Correctional Services on the line and also we've got in studio Roshana Pasco. she's from the Manenberg Safety Forum. Now, um, I think what's very important is that we've discussed, well, at length now, all parties have said that the parole system needs to be reviewed. What is, firstly tell our listeners, what is... SA Women Fight Back, what is it? Well, SA Women Fight Back is just basically just a platform that is being created for women. We are a close group on Facebook, and at present we've got plus minus 240,000 members in South Africa as well as abroad. And we just basically there as a support group for people who go to trial. Um, if people need any advice within the group, they can discuss certain topics and then get advice, like you know, for for um, information about what's happening in the country and also support and and help as well. So yeah, it's a platform that has been created for women from all walks of life. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So, so, yeah. mm-hmm. so what is the position that you have on the parole system? Because you are dealing with a court system, you're seeing people all the time, you know. You know, um, to say that I'm absolutely disgusted is actually an understatement for how I really feel about what's happening in our country. Our justice system, once again, is failing ordinary citizens. At the present moment, we've got hardcore, notorious criminals out on the streets. They could be your next-door neighbor, they could be working with you, whoever they are. They are out on the streets, and it seems as if though criminals have more rights than ordinary law-abiding citizens, because we're talking about working class, rich, upper class, whatever. Those people are the people who are vulnerable, and we are not being protected by our justice system. If somebody goes to court, you always hear that they're out on parole or they've been given bail of 2,000 rand. Tell me, is the life of somebody worth 2,000 rand? If you think of it normally, I mean, who in their right mind? It's basically saying that you can pay your way through crime in South Africa. So what's happening is that criminals are getting away with a slap on the wrist, which is totally ridiculous. Yeah. Look, so we do have on the line the Department of Correctional Spokesper- Services spokesperson. Mm-hmm. And um, we've heard on the show this evening that the parole system will be reviewed and that community interaction or input would be encouraged uh, you know, in this process of reviewing uh, the, the the parole system. I mean, just off the top of your head, are there certain aspects of the parole system that you think should be tightened up, or or, or what is what should be reviewed? If you look at the history of some of these criminals, they are habitual offenders. Can I say? So it's not the first time that somebody commits such horrendous crimes. They're in and out of prison because they basically get away with just about anything. So I feel that if there is harsher penalties 
for these criminals, it's going to definitely be a deterrent. Everybody is speaking about the death penalty, but let me say this much to you. I think the death penalty is too lenient for some of the things that these criminals have in actual fact done, because people are suffering out there, and their lives are a daily struggle. So somebody's life has been cut short. Remember, that family has got to mourn for the rest of their lives. They cannot get back that loved one. So what is happening to our country. Our government is failing us. The justice system is basically non-existent. It's not working for the ordinary person. We do not have the luxury of personal bodyguards or fancy alarm systems. Not everybody has that. You've got commuters going to work every day. People get robbed, they get raped. And as we are speaking on this phone right now, I can tell you somebody must have got shot somebody got killed, murdered, or whatever the case may be. So criminals need to fear the law. They've lost their fear for the law because the law is way too lenient. Okay. Let's bring in the Department of Correctional Services spokesperson. Singaboko, do you have any feedback? You know, a big thing about our program is making sure that our community interacts and that we put our community in contact with persons such as yourself from the government to help us to understand how our country functions? I think from our side as a department, we're saying this is an opportunity for communities, for the public at large, to get their voices heard, to make that input, which will assist us to transform the system that we have. And my plea would be that it must be an input which goes into the entire criminal justice system because there are quite a number of areas that will require some tweaking so that at the end of the day we have a justice system which is fair, a justice system that every South African can say, I'm proud of being a South African. Uh, As correctional services, our duty is to ensure that once a person has been sentenced, we do or we play our part in correcting that offending behavior. But it shouldn't end there. The leg where we need our, com- our communities to assist us is to say, come closer to our centers, read and visit, get to understand what is it that we do, also make inputs there, so that at the end of the day, we have a correctional system which is more of a societal responsibility so that the type of a person that we let out, if someone even that the community can attest to say, no, it did, we could see that this person was worthy to be given a second chance. You know, I mean, I'm just listening to you talking, and I'm curious to know, I mean, I'm feeling, and I would like to know your response to this, but I'm really feeling that our other two guests are very frustrated with the system and with how things are going. Are you picking that up? It's not just you took us, the entire country, you know. Even the president? Yes, the entire country has a lot of questions. And it is our responsibility to to hear that and also to say, no, we've got to do something. And something needs to be done quite urgently. But in that agency, we, we, we cannot afford to repeat the same or to create the same reports. Hence, we are saying, let people make those inputs. Let them come to us. We will also create platforms where we even go to people to say, here's the system. All of us, even including us at the department, do agree 
which has some serious gaps. Okay. Let's just fix those gaps. Yeah. Now, look, here's the other thing that I find that people sometimes do when there is something called community participation. Some people just say, okay, fine, they spoke to 100 people or they got SMSs or whatever, and then they, they put that down as tick a Tick the box, we did community interaction. Can you let us know how you as a department intend to ensure that people like Rishanda and Natalie and millions of others have input from their lived experience, you know, to say this is how the parole system should improve? How will you do this? How is it going to happen? Uh, one, of course, we'll make an announcement once the process has been op- uh, opened up to the uh, public to say, yeah. please make comments or make inputs. But you must come on the show again. Yes, but 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 the fortunate thing is that uh, the era where we live, there are many many platforms. People do not even have to gather at manholes all the time. They can even either email, you know, use social media. There's quite a lot okay, of platforms. Cool. So Look, we have two minutes. We, 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 we'll follow up on that. We have two minutes before we need to break for the Shai um, prayer. It's, it's prayer time for the Muslims. Um, so it's, we're going to have to break. Let's wrap up for now with people who need to go. Um, Singaboko, thank you so much for your time. You'll be back again. Any closing remarks very briefly in 30 seconds, please? From my side is to say, uh, our people, please come, let's work together, make your inputs, let's chat a new way for corrections in this country. Fantastic. Natalie, um, we do need to break for the prayer time soon. Do you have any closing remarks from SA Women Fight Back? Yes, SA Women Fight Back have given so much input already. We are sick and tired of just speaking and seeing nothing happening in our country. I would love to see a change. We always hear about people being granted a second chance, but the persons whose life has been taken away, they haven't been granted that second chance. I want to see something happen to these criminals. You know, Natalie... You are speaking for millions of South Africa right now. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for that. Rishana, you will be staying with us in the studio, of course, until we wrap up. No? One, do we have time for another point? What's the technician saying? Must we go for a shy? We have one minute. We have one minute, Rishana. Yeah. Just to the department, I would want them to think about there should be amendment to the law that of everybody have a right to do this and that. We should also amend in saying, if you offend in this way, you have afforded that right. I would want the department to look at that for me. Well, you do have an opportunity to give feedback to the department because parolees, the whole system seems flawed and the government, even our president, has said it needs to be reviewed. With that, we'll go for the shy break. When we come back, we'll acknowledge some more WhatsApp messages and we'll wrap up the show. from Cape Town. This is the Voice of the Cape. 91.3 FM. So we're back on here with Burning Issue. I'm your host, Azid Kamaldin. We have just about five minutes left of the show. Rishanda, what are some of the remarks that you have now based on everything that's been discussed this evening? You are in the community. You see parolees coming back. What are your comments? I would want to say we can't say that 
um, there is no way that people can be rehabilitated. Um, I've worked um, at the Manamuk People's Centre where we had parolees and they were rehabilitated and we skilled them and we gave them tasks to do to prove that they are worthy to be back in the community. So it is possible. Um, I think what we the right infrastructure must be put in place where you have your psychologists and and your counselors always present to guide this person because he's coming back into a community that's dysfunctional a home that maybe have 90 percent unemployment illnesses and so on and where in prison he had this old doctor he had his food on time and here he have to defend himself Outside. And okay. So, 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 so there are cases where it worked. It worked. It isn't all doom and gloom. Yeah. Let's just look at some of the WhatsApp messages because I've not had a chance to look at most m- most of the messages. I'm just trying to make this mouse work. Um, and it helped with this. Um, anyway, so, um, yeah, okay, there. Let's see what's happening at some of the messages. So, listener, I want to go to short messages so that we can get through um, at least some of them before we sign off. Um, so listener 2907 shares the opinion prisoners are 24-7 surrounded with a number gangs how do we expect them to change when people go to prison they become more corrupt and reform it's only the truly dedicated that changes but the rest just goes with the flow I believe that's how the department is failing our society okay listener 8691 says what about the rights of murdered victims that are ripped away and the family who are traumatized what if this child was murdered like that would he not what if his child were murdered like that would he not feel hurt and then let's look at one last message listener 0115 I don't see a reason why paroled rapists and murderers should be released back into the communities where they terrorize send them to an isolated island and then listener 2209 says during the apartheid system these crimes were dealt with harshly because the death penalties gangsterism rape and murder was unheard of jails were empty shukran so much listeners for sharing your opinions with us here on burning issue rishanda bayatra makasi i'm glad to, it was good to have you back in the studio do you quickly want to tell us about your healing circle we've got like a minute or two left what so is the healing the, circle yeah on the 7th of march a process is starting which is called the healing circles we have a few communities on the cape flats that has already um, adopted it and has taken it on that I've been working with some quite, quite some time. Anybody that wants to be part of the healing circles, they are more than come to contact me. We're saying heal yourself in order to heal somebody else. Okay, and where do people get hold of you for the healing circles? They can contact me on my phone number 071-436-1504. The 7th it will be kicking off at the Tsitsimani Center in Maubrey. Okay. Any other ways that people can get hold of you? Just the phone, basically, no? Facebook. Phone. Okay, but is your Facebook? Asrukshanda Pesco or the uh, Western Cape United Safety Front okay. page. Okay, great stuff. Healing Circles, that sounds interesting. Yeah? It is. Yeah? It is. Um, it's, it's a baby that um, I eventually bring her for after having my own journey of healing. Shukran so much. Rishanda Pasco there sharing with us what's happening and what she's doing for the community. Listeners, do stay tuned to the Voice of the Cape. I'll be back next week from myself, Yazid Kamaldin. Assalamu alaikum.